What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Monday, August 3rd, and Audacity continues to give me copious amounts of problems. I went to record tonight's audio, and it just didn't feel like recording. Well, let me take that back. It was recording. It just wasn't picking up the audio, and I I posed the question in our group chat on Twitter for the Locked On hosts. I Went and tried to search it out online, looked on Google, looked on, looked on YouTube. I couldn't find anything. I tried unplugging everything. I tried plugging everything back in. I restarted the computer. I undownloaded, then re-downloaded Audacity. Nothing's working. And I, I, this had happened before, but I'd been able to fix it every single time. Usually it was operator error on my part. I, I forgot to plug something in, or you know maybe the USB was just a, a little bit crooked, so I didn't get it in all the way. But uh, there's nothing right now to explain uh, why this is happening. So if there's any of my wonderful listeners out there who could help me out with that, I would really appreciate it because I'm recording a, a voiceover off of iMovie right now. I'm going to transfer that into Audacity and I should be able to edit that audio. It's just recording new audio that uh, isn't cooperating right now. So I apologize for that. This this is going to be a good show. It's going to be an intense show. We got three games To recap from over the weekend, the Tigers lost a three-game series at home to the Cincinnati Reds, winning the first game and losing the next two. But before we get into all that, because there is plenty to talk about, I do want to start this show on a rather somber note. Uh, Jamie Samuelson, former, uh, it sounds weird saying that, former radio host over at 97.1 FM in Detroit, the flagship sports station in Michigan, passed away of colon cancer over the weekend at the age of 48. I didn't know Jamie personally, so I have a little bit of difficulty talking about all this. And if you're looking for people who are going to do a million times better job than I ever could talking about who he was as guy and talking about his legacy, uh, just go on social media. I mean, just search his name. You'll see all his colleagues who have written some beautiful articles. Bob Wojanowski wrote an incredible piece that he posted online last night. All I knew about him was that almost across the board, unanimously, he was considered one of the good guys. And I've worked in the broadcasting industry, not a ton, but I have worked in it. And there are a lot of egos, a ton. And it's pretty rare that you find a guy who's rather egoless, who doesn't take himself super seriously, yet still is good at what he does. Um, That's rare. And it, I have difficulty getting my wrapping my head around stuff like this personally because this was a guy who was a good father, leaves behind three beautiful children. He was a good husband. He was good at his profession. He was smart. He was kind. That's a guy who should live a very long and fruitful life, gone at the age of 48. That's one of those things that will just never make sense to me. And it's, it's very, very frustrating. And my heart breaks for him. My heart breaks for his family. My heart breaks for all those who worked with him and who loved him. A very, very sad day across the broadcasting industry. Just a a sad day in general. Rest in peace, Jamie Samuelson. Moving on to less important matters. The Detroit Tigers played a three-game set over the weekend against the Cincinnati Reds. Three pretty interesting games, though, and it gives us plenty to talk about. Friday's game, a 7-2 win in Comerica Park, I said this in my post-game video, and I'll reiterate it here. 
one of the best games I've seen them play in a long time. Honest to God, I thought top to bottom that was a tremendous effort that they put forth against a good Reds team, and even more so, a great Reds pitcher. Luis Castillo, who I've talked about a bunch on here, brought his A-plus stuff to that game on Friday night, and yet the Tigers, I thought, put together some remarkable at-bats. And I I said this in my post-game after Trevor Bauer twirled his gem yesterday. Nine times out of ten, when you go up against this lineup and you have your good stuff, you will shut their butts down. This was one of those rare instances in which I thought a guy had his most electric stuff. I mean, in the first inning, he was hitting 100 miles per hour with that fastball. And I thought the Tigers just grinded out good at-bats. The bottom of the lineup was excellent with Stewart and Demerit and Romine and Jones. A great effort put forth by the Tigers' offense. Luis Castillo would take the loss, giving up five earned runs on a night where I thought he had his best stuff. A really remarkable job by the Tigers offensively. One of the best games I'd seen them play in years. But not to be outdone, though, not to be overshadowed by that, was the tremendous performance by Spencer Turnbull. The final line, excellent. Six innings pitched, three hits, two runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. To me, even that doesn't tell the full story. I thought Spencer Turnbull looked stellar on Friday. In terms of pure stuff, the best we've seen by a Detroit Tigers starting pitcher since Michael Fulmer was really dealing in the mid part of the 2017 season. I mean, fastball topping out at 97. When was the last time that happened here? When was the last time a starting pitcher was throwing 97 here? I mean, it was. It was Michael Fulmer, right, in the mid part of 2017. Or Verlander, you know, right before he got traded. He was probably peaking at around 97. Remarkable stuff by a pitcher who looks more and more confident with every start. The stuff is getting better and better. If there's one guy right now so far this season that I'm circling in on and saying is has the potential to put together a breakout campaign, Spencer Turnbull so far has been the guy. He looks like a completely different pitcher from a season ago. Great stuff. The bullpen was tremendous once again. Between Juan Soto, Buck Farmer, and Brian Garcia, they pitched scoreless frames each. Buck Farmer has now pitched 16 consecutive scoreless innings, dating back to last season. And this is a guy who... I think the Tigers mismanaged from the beginning. I mean, if people forget, this is a guy who was called up from double A in 2014. Uh, I think was kind of thrown into the fire unfairly very early on in his tenure in Detroit. But he has gone on to make the most of it and pitched some some very good baseball for this team over the last several years. And I think so far in 2020, it's the best that we've ever seen him. He's a veteran here now. I mean, this is a guy in his seventh year in baseball, which is, is pretty stunning. But Good for him. I, I think his stuff looks dynamic. The mechanics have always been kind of funky, but they, they look better now than they've ever been. That fastball changeup combo has been pretty lethal. I'm very happy for Buck Farmer. The Tigers game on Saturday was rained out, meaning that they had to play a doubleheader yesterday, both of which were seven-inning affairs under baseball's new rules to, I guess, I don't know, avoid having players get COVID by playing fewer innings or something. I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason for it, uh, but... I think in, in general, it's 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 a little bit of a silly rule, but whatever, I get it for a 60-game season. They would lose both those games. The first game, for a majority of it, was extremely uneventful. Ronnie Garcia started, Nick Castellanos went deep twice, Anthony DiScalfani pitched fairly well for the Reds. Another thing, and I, I can't believe I almost went this podcast without bringing it up, Tyler Alexander struck out nine straight guys yesterday, tying 
an American League record that was set by Doug Fister when he was with the Detroit Tigers in what feels like oh so long ago. A remarkable performance. I mean, the kid was absolutely dealing, and it was location. It goes back to what I talked about uh, a few weeks ago, which is that the the art of being a pitch for contact guy is kind of dead. Like even guys who are supposed you know pitch for contact guys can strike people out if they're locating, and that was a prime example of that yesterday. Tyler Alexander, absolutely brilliant. And now you wonder what's going to happen next. Will this be one of those instances that we look back on and say? Wow, a star was born, or will it be the fluke of all flukes? Now, right away, the Tigers are doing something I'm not a huge fan of, and Guardy came out and said, oh, I think we're probably going to move him to the rotation. I'm not a fan of that. I think this organization does that a lot, where they have something good, and then they feel a need to switch up, whether it be taking a guy who's pitching good out of the pen and moving him to a start to being a starter, or taking a starter who might not be pitching well and moving him to the pen, or having a guy who's hitting down near the bottom of the lineup, then you move him up to the top. I think they have a tendency to overthink sometimes, and, and I think Tyler Alexander was phenomenal yesterday, but this is a guy who had bad minor league numbers as a starter, at least over the last couple of years. He was not a guy who, as a starter, put up great strikeout numbers. The only success he's really had in professional baseball has been as a reliever. I would keep him there. You know, I mean, look, I think it's it's still probably a long shot, as great as he was yesterday. And, and I, I'm this is not directed towards Tyler Alexander. I thought he was sensational yesterday, and he deserves all the praise he's getting. But there's still not a lot of evidence to support that this dude can start and be effective at the major league level. I would keep him in the bullpen with his kind of funky delivery and, and his experience as a starter at the very least. Maybe he could be like what Andrew Miller was for a while there, you know, kind of a gangly lefty with a weird release point that is able to get a lot of strikeouts out of the bullpen. You never know, but I, I do give him a lot of credit. A remarkable outing by him yesterday kept his team in the ballgame. And then the Tigers, kind of in hilarious fashion, with two walks and a hit by pitch, would load the bases in the eighth inning, and then Victor, or I'm sorry, <laughs> let me let me refine that, in the sixth inning, which is technically the eighth inning, Victor Reyes would hit a fly ball to right center field, Nick Castellanos would boof it, three runs would score on the air, tying the game, and then we would go to the top of the seventh, or in this case, the, the ninth inning equivalent, Tigers brought in their closer. Was there anyone who thought that Joe Jimenez would hold it down? Was there anyone who thought that he would come out of that and this game would still be tied? And that is not, uh, now we'll talk about Jimenez here in a second, but that is something universally across baseball that is one of the great mysteries to me. All closers, you look at the great closers from the last decade, Kimbrell, Chapman, Kenley Jansen, all of them are at best pedestrian in non-safe situations and at worst just downright bad in non-safe situations. It is across the board, that case with closers. It is a strange, strange mystery to me why that happens. Jimenez would give up three straight hits to start that inning. He would ultimately pitch out of it, only giving up one run, but that's just one of those strange things in baseball to me that doesn't make sense, why so many closers are so bad in tie games. I don't know if it's a mental thing with Joe Jimenez. I just think he's a prime example of a guy who just seems to take pitches off and take batters off. Like, when he's at his best, he's moving at a good pace. He's locating. His heater is in the mid-90s. He's offsetting it with a, with a really good wipeout slider. But you saw yesterday, he comes out of the pen. He's topping out at like 92-93, throwing flat change-ups that are like belt-high, getting crushed. And then he settled in. But it was too little too late because he already gave up a run. 
he's a mystery man. And, and I think sometimes I look at him and I say, this guy's got elite closer potential. And then sometimes I look at him and be like, man, has he grown up at all? And he has. It just sometimes it doesn't look like it. And it just makes me think that this may just be who Joe Jimenez is. He's just a, an average to above the average reliever with 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 pretty good stuff who, who will on occasion be able to hold down a lead for you, but will also struggle with consistency. That might just be the pitcher that he is. So the Tigers would lose that game. I'm going to spend the entire second segment just talking about Sunday's game, some of the controversies surrounding who pitched, who didn't pitch, more importantly, and uh, I'll cover all that in segment number two, as well as uh, what in the world the schedule is going to look like for the Detroit Tigers going forward. We'll be right back. To an early morning breakfast burrito, to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And we're back. Tigers lost the second game of their doubleheader yesterday against the Reds. This one, a 3-0 defeat. Trevor Bauer was uh, was excellent. I don't know if he was as sharp in terms of stuff and in terms of command, as sharp as he was the first time he pitched against this team. But, I mean, went seven scoreless innings. Technically, a complete game shutout with the doubleheader rules being what they are. A lot of heat was thrown the way of Daniel Norris yesterday, who started that game. A lot of people thought it might be Casey Mize making his Major League debut. And it should have been Casey Mize making his Major League debut. Let's talk about this, because there's a lot of people, including myself, who are who are very frustrated with this. Service time loophole is done. Casey Mize can be called up tomorrow. They will still retain that year off his rookie deal. Yes, he could still use up up to a full year of service time if he pitches to the very end here. Uh, that's been acknowledged, but... He is ready. No one has denied that he isn't ready. You went with Daniel Norris yesterday. Daniel Norris, and and I'm reiterating a lot of what I said in my post game yesterday, and I'm going to try not to, but Daniel Norris is an objective dud as a starting pitcher, okay? Uh, The numbers last year, a lot of people found last season encouraging for him for whatever reason because, well, because it was the first year he's pitched and made it through the entire year without, you know, some catastrophic injury. So in that aspect, fine, a a rousing success. That's, I guess that's the measuring stick at this point. Sure. 3-13 with a 4-4-9 ERA. Those are bad numbers. But you look at some of his stuff like on Baseball Savant. Look at this. I mean, in exit velocity, in the fifth percentile among starting pitchers, Hard hit rate, 6th percentile. Weighted on base average, 28th percentile. 
expected ERA, 28th percentile, expected batting average, 25th percentile, slugging, barrel rate, 18th percentile. The only things on Baseball Savant that he was above average in were fastball spin rate, which he doesn't command as fastball anyway, so it doesn't really matter, 73rd percentile, and curveball spin, above average, the 56th percentile. Besides that, across the board, this guy was an objectively bad pitcher and has pretty much regressed since he got to Detroit. Like, when he was acquired, I was like, wow, this guy's got a high ceiling. His stuff is good. And it's not Daniel Norris's fault. Injuries have gotten to him. I I think the Tigers didn't do him any favors with bouncing him back and forth at points between being a starter and being a reliever. I think they did a lot wrong in terms of handling him. So I'm not, my anger here is not necessarily at Daniel Norris. It's more at the Detroit Tigers for allowing him to take the mound yesterday. There are those people who are still arguing that Casey Mize isn't ready to pitch in the major leagues or shouldn't be pitching in the major leagues. A majority of them I just find really childish. Like, I mean, does it really matter? To me, it does. Okay, he got drafted two years ago. To me, it's just, um, this angers me because to me, it's just unfair to him. What has Casey Mize done to not earn a spot on a major league roster right now? And even more so, what has Casey Mize not done to earn a spot over Daniel Norris as a fifth spot in a rotation? That doesn't make sense to me. The kid's done everything right. He said all the right things. He was awesome at Auburn. He was awesome in the minor leagues a year ago. He was awesome in spring training. He was great in summer camp. What does he have to do to earn a spot right now? in a 60-game season. Oh, well, we don't want to waste a year of his rookie contract. First of all, if if that's the idea that we're just going to wait until the Tigers are competitive to call these guys up, then Casey Mize is going to be pitching in the minor leagues till he's 30. People got it all bass-ackwards. It's not waiting until they're competitive to call up these guys. It's calling up these guys so they can be competitive. The biggest reason to me why they haven't called them up yet, and it's a travesty, is because they just they worry about ruining their draft stock again. They want to suck again. They want to put together the worst roster possible. They want to get another top five pick, maybe even a number one overall pick, and putting Casey Mize in the rotation puts that in jeopardy. That's the only reason I can think of, because the people who were saying he hasn't pitched enough innings in the minor leagues, you know, he had an entire year wiped out because of COVID, everyone did. Casey Mize isn't the only guy who was affected by COVID. Everybody was. And if Casey Mize came out in spring training and was sucking, or came out in summer camp and was sucking, it'd be one thing. The guy's been great. And and a year ago at this time, if you would have made this argument, I would have listened to you. Absolutely. Because there is truth about the fact that I think a, a lot of these pitchers, especially young pitchers, do need to experience that grind of a minor league season. I I get that completely. There was growth there in what Casey Mize went through a year ago. Even though he had a lot of success, had that that one shoulder injury, came back from it. But I think it is important to the development of a young pitcher that they spend some time in the minor leagues. I absolutely do. But he is getting nothing, not a thing, from pitching scrimmages in Toledo right now. He needs the reps. And like I said, the, the only excuse I could think of is that they're just terrified that, that they could affect their draft stock because this organization is really lazy when it comes to stuff like that. I I have praised this organization recently because of the fact that their farm system has become immensely better. It is one of the best in baseball. I make no doubts about that. But the way they've gone about that has been the easy route. Just full-on sucking for several years, you're going to fall into some really good talent. You don't, it doesn't take a lot to develop a Riley Green or to develop a Casey Mize. 
Those are top five picks. Like, any team that would have taken those guys, they would have been very successful. It's like it's like saying the Cleveland Cavaliers did a great job because they developed LeBron James. Le- LeBron James was like the most greatest basketball player of all time and was going to be no matter what. Those were God-given gifts. The Cavs didn't do anything to, to earn that success. It's the same thing with the Tigers. I think they're just afraid that if Casey Mize gets called up, it will ruin the tank. And they will actually be forced to develop one of their first-round draft picks as opposed to just allowing one of these generational talents, potentially, to develop on their own. And I think that is absolutely silly. For one, you can call up Casey Mize and still earn a top-five pick. I, I, I don't think the Blue Jays felt that way last year. They called up Vlad, and they called up Bo Bichette, and they called up Kevin Biggio, and guess what? They still got a top-five pick. They got Austin Martin in that draft. You could call up Casey Mize and still tank. Are you insane? I don't know. This this one really bothered me. Because over the last like month or two, I've been way more positive, I think. I think. Well, I'm sure people will deny this. I think I've been way more positive regarding my feelings towards this organization and how they're developing guys. Or at least how good the farm system is. I don't think they've done anything remarkable in terms of developing some of these young talents because I think in general these guys go high in the draft because they are pretty refined already. They are pretty polished by the time you draft them. Spencer Torkelson, people were saying he was the best draft prospect in 20 years. So if he comes to the majors and becomes an all-star player, we're going to say Al Avila was responsible for that? No! They fell into those guys because they openly sucked. And it looks like they're going to end up doing that again. Now, the last point I'm going to make is I could almost, I wouldn't, but I could almost meet him halfway and say, you know what, fine, maybe you're worried about the tank, whatever. Maybe you're worried about wasting a year of his service time. Fine, I don't agree with you, but fine. But guys, the season's going to get canceled anyway. There's been three COVID breakouts already in the last week. You call up Casey Mines, you get three starts. It doesn't affect service time. It doesn't affect the tank. And you know what? It, it, it puts yourself in pretty good graces with the fans. Because I said this yesterday on my post game. I think as a fan base, we've been pretty patient here. We have watched as some of the worst baseball teams ever have strolled through Comerica Park over the last several seasons with the promise that we will be rewarded with these really great young generational prospects. And we're how many years into this rebuild? Three, four? And the guy, your first Round one, pick one guy isn't pitching in the major leagues because Daniel Norris is taking his spot. Bothers me. Frustrates me. Like, quite a bit. And uh, I, I find it remarkably silly, to be completely honest with you. So, I, I know that's not a super positive show, and that will end today's show. The Tigers have an off day today, and I'm not going to look ahead to the Cardinals because I don't know if they're going to play the Cardinals this week. Cardinals had a COVID outbreak. Such a mess right now and I haven't talked about it a ton over the last week I'm trying to focus on the baseball at hand because that is so much more fun to me but it is undeniable that COVID is continuing to be uh, really difficult to deal with and the chances of this season not being seen to the very end are, are pretty high right now like I've said before I will cross that bridge when we get to it but Oh boy, it's just very, very frustrating, a lot of it. That was that was a tough series this week, because I really did, especially after Friday's game, I was like, man, they're, they're playing some pretty good baseball. Crashing back down to earth over the last uh, two games there. But we will be back tomorrow with another show. You can follow me on Twitter, at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter, at LockedOnTigers. 
Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. R.I.P. Jamie Samuelson. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and go Tigers.